This is Paul Nobles from Eat to Perform, and this is episode three of the Better Dieting podcast. So a couple things before we uh, get going here. We're going to kind of switch things up a little bit. The first two episodes, we really focused on the dieting piece and uh, really went hard into that. Last week, we went into a little bit more of the mental type stuff. Um and, and things that you might want to look at, you know, I, I think one of the big questions last week was what happened to you? And if you can start to answer that, maybe you can unfold that a bit. Uh, we do have Better Dieting Challenge. So if you're in the Better Dieting group on Facebook, that's pretty easy to join. The opt-in uh, is free if you're not an Eat to Perform member. If you're an Eat to Perform member, you do not have to opt-in. Uh, if you're not an Eat to Perform member, we are still taking free trials. Uh, if you're not familiar, there's going to be an app upgrade coming up here real soon and a price hike as a result. The uh, one cool thing is that if you're an Android user, you can actually start using that app right now. And so uh, so that's kind of fun. The you know, We've got about 500 to 1,000 people on the Android side that are kind of acting as our initial guinea pigs. And just by nature, uh, we've got a little bit more iPhone users. I do think that will change over time. Um, but uh, really excited about that and really excited about everybody seeing those speed improvements and, and UI improvements and stuff like that. So really, really cool stuff co coming. So if you want to be in once uh once the you know we we've kind of guaranteed that you know those people that sign up right now will be grandfathered in at the price throughout the year so good opportunity to join with that so moving on my co-host once again is meredith d lamar and hi guys. Meredith, you want to say hi to everyone hi everybody it's a great day for a podcast works i'm excited today so we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, some of the things that involve summer, but in kind of a different angle, right? So Mer Meredith and I both were talking a little bit, and summer's been really good to us. And we want to explain to you guys, you know, some of the big, big things there. But uh, Meredith, before the, t the podcast, was talking to me about her son. Her son is 16 years old, so we want to keep him in Kansas City. Um, <laughs> I have a 16-year-old daughter. And, he's, uh, he's six foot two and pretty good-looking kid, I'll be honest. So, yeah, we might want to keep him away from your girls. Yes. <laughs> the, uh, my, my youngest is actually, uh, you know, I'm trying to get her into coding, uh, because, you know, in the interview process for the, the tech department, you know, there's obviously a lot of math. I remember thinking that when I was a kid, you know, like, how am I going to use this math? You know, this is not going to be useful. Right. And then, of course, you know, later on in life, I become a poker player. And then, you know, now um, math is a real big part of developing and solving problems. Like currently the our lead develop developer um, spent last three days on this one really annoying bug before um, we squashed it. We think we got it. Um, it, it. It's 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 showing real good signs, but we'll we'll see how that plays out. 
But uh, Meredith's son just got his driver's license, and she was talking to me a little bit about the uh, fear of that and him going alone. And I remember saying to my daughter, my oldest daughter, when she first started driving, she's been driving for about a year and a half. Um, I said, I thought I loved you. I thought I loved you unconditionally. But the minute you left on, in a car alone, that's when I really realized, you know, the relationship that that you and I have. And so Meredith was talking. Why don't you expound upon that? Because you were well, talking about that yeah. with your son. Well, it's funny. I was just going to tell you. So at summer camp, when we were up there, we in August, we were all in Minnesota, for those of you who don't know. And we met um, as a staff and with some of the members. And um, it's the first time I got to meet Paul's wife, Vicky, and his both of his girls, which they're, they're lovely, lovely girls. But um, you were talking about her driving, and I was talking to Vicky and knowing that I would be in six months dealing with Parker driving, my son, sorry, and um, Vicky said, you're just scared all the time. <laughs> you're just scared all the time for the first, you know, you just it doesn't quite go away, and I, I get that. But so what we did, here's what I was telling Paul right before the podcast, um, because my son is actually on his way home from school right now because he doesn't feel well, um, but there's an app. And if those if parents out there have not heard of this app and you have a driver, you need to get this app. It's called Life 360, and you have to put it on your phone and your kid's phone. And what it does is it's different than the, like, if you have an iPhone, you can, you know, the Find My Phone, the Apple. Um, it's different than that because it actually, there's a map, and it shows you where they are at all times and where, you, where they're going. But it also tells me, like, his top speed, so I know if he's speeding or not. <laughs> And this is the free version. I haven't even paid for the upgraded version yet, but the upgraded version of it will actually tell me how many times he hard brakes, how many times he has like um, extreme acceleration. It tells me when his phone's about to die to tell him to, because it's on his phone. So if he doesn't have his phone with him, that's a problem, obviously. Um, but what's kind of funny about it is we have it on our phones too, but we've blocked our location. So he doesn't know where we are, <laughs> but we know where he is all the time. So when he leaves school, I get a notification that says Parker just left school. And when he gets within a hundred feet of the house, it says Parker arrived home. And do you, ever, so, do you ever get scared that he won't just bring his phone because he knows that you have this app? Yes, I do. <laughs> Cause I know my kid. You want, but me, you, far, want you want me to tell you how to fix that? Yeah. <laughs> you don't get to drive the car unless you have your phone. Oh yeah. We've told that we told him that. And if I ever find out he goes somewhere without his phone, like he's going to lose all driving privileges. So. Because we yeah. didn't buy, we, I don't know, we don't, we didn't buy our kid a car. So some people do, and that's fine. But we have, it was actually my old car that he has that he can use. And um, so he knows it's not his. He just has the privilege of using it. And if he doesn't, um, you know, obey it, we take him off. But this app has um, alleviated some of the fear because I know where he's at. If that makes sense. Yeah, we did actually buy a third car. I mm -hmm. mean, daughter is just learning and then the reason why we did and and like you're saying it's not really her car it's the family mm -hmm. car right but um the reason why we did is that my mini cooper is a, is a standard transmission and then the jeep uh which is a jeep grand cherokee that's that's what her sister uses mm -hmm. right i mean even though that car is also our um car she's yeah. The primary driver she has it all the time and part of the issue was that when we um, were going through the driving tests and stuff like that it was just big and bulky and and it made the process 
that much more difficult. And we, you know, have at least been enough. My, my brother and sister-in-law have, have five kids. And, oh. and uh, so they've been through all the, the gambit as it relates to drivers. And uh, we've sort of followed their lead just to buy cars, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, in, in their situation, you know, I'm sure, you know, both of my girls will graduate with cars at some point, mm -hmm. yeah. but, uh, Emily, as an example, wants to go to school in Germany. So she, she very possibly doesn't need a car. Don't need a car. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll see how that plays out. You know, um, you know, what's funny is, uh, this, this is going to blow people away. Um, I have an 18-year-old and a 16-year-old. Mm -hmm. And they've never been punished. Like, they've never been... Grounded or had privileges no. taken away? I mean, I can't. I can't recall like, a time. You've never, you've never, they've never had, like, their phone taken away from them or couldn't go no. to a friend's house for something because... We, we do it different, you know, so like, like for instance, uh, you know, my oldest daughter has a, uh, has a boyfriend, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, she wants to go visit him, you know? And so if uh, she wants to visit him, we, um, you know, kind of leverage that around household chores and things of that nature. But we kind of approach it from the, like a reward system instead of a punishment a system? Bit, a little bit. I mean, it's not super involved. And, and you, you, you can go look at the dishes that need to be done and you can go, <laughs> well, you know, maybe there should be a little bit more discipline. Um, we might have gone a little too far the other way, right? But, I you know, know. I've met your girls and they're good. They're just good, decent human beings. that are. They can talk to adults. They can carry on conversations. They just... I don't know. They seem really down to earth and really, I mean, that was my first impression of them. They were just very polite and respectful. And I, I don't know. I, it, it might, it seems like it's working just from the uh, yeah. they with them. Yeah. I don't know. You know, like, I, I don't know. You know, I, I, I know that, uh, um, you know, Vicki and Alice went to the, they volunteered for this plant sale yesterday and Alice is looking at, uh, she's actually going to apply for a job. And if they don't give it to her, she's going to volunteer there. Smart which, I, which I think is, is kind of interesting. Now we're, we're lucky that, um, you know, a lot of people look at let eat reform and the success of eat reform. Eat reform is, is okay. Successful. I mean, we're, we're not doing bad. Um, but my wife actually has a really good job. And right. a lot of, a lot of, you know, the lean times in Eat to Perform, you know, we've been able to rely on, on my wife. So my daughters have seen the world, you know, we've been able to travel quite a bit. My oldest daughter went to, if anybody listens to these podcasts, they know <laughs> she went to the Galapagos Islands last summer and this summer she's going to Thailand. And wow. uh, what's, okay. interesting, what's interesting about those trips is that when we've gone to France or England or Central America, whatever, um, we 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 involve them in how you get around, you mm -hmm. know, 
And inherently, both of my girls, you know, my youngest is a little bit more outgoing than my oldest, Mm -hmm. you know, but she's sort of, you know, rising to the occasion. I I think my my youngest is really good at uh, school. You know, uh, when I say good at school, I don't mean she's she's very good at school, but but it's not something that comes to her easy she has to really work for it so within the structure and system of school she works really well alice is a little bit more naturally gifted and um, she actually goes to a school um, that's a one-on-one school and um you know she's about to graduate her act score was was like really high um she she's like me you know um i tested well in those types of tests but i did not i wouldn't say that i did well in high school i i i hesitate to say that i have a photographic memory um it's certainly failing me at this age but i'm very good at at comprehension so if i just paid attention in class um that allowed me to kind of you know, recall yeah. most of that information that's, and I could do well in that's, that's actually how I am. My parents told me that even from a small age when I was like two, they'd read a book to me and I'd read it back to them the next day. Now, I wasn't reading it at two, but I was I memorized what they told me and I do it back. That's how I play instruments. That's how I play the piano. I just memorize music and I, I play it. But that's how it's same thing. I In college, I didn't really study. I know that sounds horrible and people are out there going, are you kidding me? I hate you at the moment. But if I just paid attention in class and took notes, I was good because if I wrote it down, I remembered it. Is that yeah. Oh yeah, and I, I tested well, but yeah, it's just one of those. Well, I had you the, know, I, some people are gifted that way. I had the long term. I had the long term college plan. Um, it took me <laughs> a little over ten years to graduate. It was okay. a. It was kind of an after school, you know, after evening mm-hmm. program. Um, I, you know, if people don't know, I'm kind of a serial entrepreneur, so I've I've owned like five or six businesses since I was 16, actually, when, when that was some of my first businesses. Um, and uh, they just got more and more involved at the time. And it was interesting because there uh, there was only really two times I ever worked for anyone else. And in both of those scenarios, they, they were industries that, you know, you're, you're still kind of working for yourself. There's sales. You know, okay. I, was, I was in the car business. And um, I did really well. I still remember Howard, um, who was like this old sales manager. And you were and he, about earlier. Yeah, and he was explaining, um, you know, why someone is good in the car business. He's like, hey, look at Nobles as an example. He's up to he's up to here in Hawk. You know, and so he's got to sell 40 cars a month. So he sells 40 cars a month. You guys need to go get a mortgage. You need to get a car. You need right. Awesome stuff. Like, no. And you and, and what what uh, what he didn't know was that most of my, um, you know, most of my stuff was from a previous business that had failed that I was kind of still, you know, digging. Um, out of. of. Yeah. And then uh, then I went into the, the mortgage industry and I, I know I've talked about this and I'm not going to go into it too much. But um, but it was interesting because I was the the stay home parent. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, 
at one point, uh, you know, I, I did most of my stuff at home. I, I had my own processors, like even in the car business, my brother was my lot guy and I, I had people that I paid to help me. And so that's what allowed me to sell a lot of cars. Same thing in the mortgage business. I, I learned to kind of have assistants and processors and stuff like this. And we were at this this one place and you know i was the primary caregiver at home with my youngest daughter and so i would come in and i had my processor who worked for me and then i had my assistant and i would come in and sometimes bring in the files and the owner said to me that uh you know i shouldn't bring in my daughter you know into the office that it was disruptive i was like are you kidding me, man? Like she's, you know, she's sleeping. She's not, she's not bothering anybody. And if she cried one time, I just take her away. He goes, yeah, but it's like a slippery slope. You know, if you do it, then everybody does it. Then people are bringing their dogs in. I said, look, man, I said, I'm not, I'm not disrespecting anybody else here. Okay. <laughs> but you're the owner. You do the most mortgages in this place, and I do more mortgages than you. Right. So I said, me bringing my daughter in here doesn't affect this at all. I said, so, you know, that's just about my nice way of saying I quit. Oh. Right? I said, and I'm going to start my own mortgage company, and I'm going to sell my own mortgages. Right? Because mm -hmm. I don't need you. I was doing this out of convenience, and I started my own mortgage company. Um, and, uh, I did that for a while and, and, uh, you know, eventually it led into, uh, well, that was, you know, back to back with poker, you know? So, um, after, you know, I, I, it, with my mortgage company, you know, I had a staff of like five people. And at one point I was supporting most of those five people with my poker income and, <laughs> <laughs> and that didn't seem to be smart. You know? A little backwards, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, yeah. The uh, but it, yeah, in terms of our kids and their driving, you know, boy, my my uh, youngest. You know, we were driving yesterday, and she's getting to the point where you know she's still doing like the behind the wheel. It takes like six months or so where they kind of go through that process, but. You know, she went to take a left turn and, and you know, kind of did, 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 did that drift thing where she drifted over it almost to the curb. And I had no. to grab the wheel, you know, because if she hits the curb, then, you know, we bounce into the other lane. And if there's a car there. It's it's not good. But yeah. uh, it's very scary. I want I want one of those cars with the little brake on the right, like the, the, oh, yeah, like the, the student driver. <laughs> Oh, those so bad. Or at least I want a sign. I need to get a sign that says in the back, student driver, you know? I saw people with those all the time here, and I never got one. But gosh, I, I just thought people are going to hate us. You know what I mean? Like, as we're driving, I think that, I think it would help for other drivers to know that. So, so was this your experience when you were helping your son, or did you do it, or was it your husband mostly? It was mostly me because one, I was just with him more, you know, taking him places and uh, with my husband's work schedule and stuff. I was just in the car with him more, but also I think it frustrated my husband a lot more and he's going to listen to this and be like, that's Andrew. But it really was. Andrew had a harder time um, being patient, I guess, with him driving. So I ended up doing most of it. Yeah. The, um, 
what a lot of people don't realize if you've never taught your kids drive is that they'll end up being scared or they end up driving too fast or or all these different things that sort of break the rules of what is normal right mm -hmm. like my, my daughter is scared to turn right on red right okay. and so there's five people behind her going why is she turning right on red you Pumping know <laughs> and what, happen, what happens is, it, it like you said, it creates anxiety with her, mm -hmm. um, but it causes them to do the dumbest things possible, right? And so yesterday, as an example, there's a guy, you know, riding her, um, you know, tail. And, you know, I said, just don't worry about that truck. You just keep doing your thing. And... Um, the minute he could go past her, he speeds past her and then gets in front of her. You know, now, luckily, he wasn't a really big jerk and really slow down. You know, I don't think it would have affected her because she's, you know, she defaults to scared anyway. Right. right. She would have no problem slowing down. But but like, I just wanted I, I, I so wanted to, you know, at the light, there was, you know, he was one ahead of us. and. <laughs> And I just wanted to give him the, what are you thinking, man? You know what yeah. I'm saying? It's it my 16-year-old daughter, you know? Yeah. But, but people, you know, people in general, uh, you know, I think they default to frustrated really fast. And if you're teaching your kid to drive, you know, I mean, they, most of these kids, I mean, my daughters know more about driving than I do. They, they <laughs> recently taking courses right. so, so emily as an example has um her instructor was named evan and so she's constantly talked you know talking about evan wouldn't do that dad evan so, said this do you know that's so, illegal mom you're not supposed to do that it was really bad when your son start when they start critiquing your driving because of what they just learned but there are a lot of things though right. that they learn in driving that really I would argue, you know, like one of the things that they really emphasize because of the driving test is stopping past the stop sign. Now, a lot of the stop signs are set up where you don't have a good parameter of viewing. I would agree with that. And so naturally the kids' instincts are to, you know, fall back a little bit further. And so now you really can't see. So now they're kind of inching up and they don't really know how to have their foot on the accelerator or foot on the brake. And so there's all these weird situations that happen because of that. So my son, you were talking about Emily defaults to scared. Well, my son defaults to overconfident. <laughs> He's got this. We have tried to make sure our kids are, you know, have good self-esteem and confidence. Well, sometimes he goes over that because he's a 16 year old boy who's six, two and you know, big, strong kid. And he's got his first job and he's driving. He's, he thinks he's hot stuff. I'm telling you. And, um, so he, Maybe defaults, he is, eh, Meredith? let's not, let's not okay. tear him down too much okay, here. He is, but he defaults to overconfident. <laughs> and so we actually just last week, he, um, wasn't paying attention coming home from something he said he was singing to the radio he wasn't on his phone because that's the other thing i didn't tell you this app will tell me if he's using his phone while he's driving oh that's, no yeah like that's the best thing about the app it will tell me if he's using his phone while he's driving so he wasn't on his phone 
But he wasn't paying attention. He's like 200 feet from the house. He said he was looking out the window and on listening to the radio or whatever, and he got too close to the curb, hit a storm drain, popped the front tire and the back tire on the passenger side, and hit a brick mailbox with the rear, the side mirror. So <laughs> we had to replace two tires and a side mirror. Yeah. The, He's just overconfident. Yeah. Well, okay. So I'm probably not explaining it that well because if my <laughs> girls were to listen to this, they would say he's not explaining it perfectly well. My first driver, mm-hmm. very cautious, and one of the reasons why she was cautious is literally like the second time she drove, she got into a car accident. Right. Uh, she was just that. she was just fearful of 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 looking right. Mm-hmm. And um, she is definitely the most cautious of the two, which secretly is a parent I kind of love, you know. Yeah. But you can get yourself into a lot of problems being cautious because you're going too slow and it frustrates other drivers and then you have to react. But in general, that's a better default. Emily's kind of in the middle of where Alice is and where your son's at. Right. right? You will speed up to the speed limit she's not scared in that regard you know um but i would say she's a little overconfident for her skill level at the moment yeah right Um, but it does default to fear when in a situation in in a situation when it gets uncomfortable so one of my stories that i tell parker we were driving i let him drive on the when he got his permit we let him drive everywhere like on the freeway and everything because i wanted him to get used to that so that i knew he would be okay when I did let him drive on his own. So we are going on an off ramp. We're exiting and he's still going like 65 miles an hour. I'm like, Parker, slow down. And I guess the, there's a, like a speed limit off that off ramp. He's like, I'm going the speed limit. It says 45. I'm like, but you have to stop at the bottom. Slow down. Yeah. Yeah. He would argue with me because he thought he's right. Like that's his overconfidence where he would actually argue me with me when I tell him to do something. And of course me being me kind of lost it for a few seconds. I'm like, I don't care what, if I tell you to do something, you just do it. <laughs> yeah, it's like you try to be patient, right? But I mean, so you know, the, uh, I, I just, uh, oh, at one I point I, I had mentioned to Emily that as we were driving, I was like, you have the most valuable commodity in this car. It's me. Don't oh. hurt me. <laughs> right? Um, and, uh, you know, so so she didn't laugh quite the way that you did, but, but you got it. That was I a joke. But, like, your kids don't realize that, you know, um, they they have an arrogance that, you know, their life almost doesn't matter, but right. I try to make it aware that my life matters. So, like, you don't need to be driving 45 going right. onto an area that you're going to need to be stopping right. in and picking. So, I have a question. Did you have issues when Alice started driving? Did you have any issues with Emily going with her? Because, see, I have a 10 year old. So, we're talking about my 16 year old son. I have a 10 year old daughter, too. Mm-hmm. And I got to admit, the first time that he took her somewhere, that made me a little nervous just because I'm like, well, now it's not just his life. It's hers, too. So well, you're looking at it all wrong on a lot of levels. Right? <laughs> so on the oh, one level, it does open up a lot of freedom, right? Oh, yeah. 
it does. My life got a whole lot easier. Time, right? So, so uh, if they need money to go to Taco Bell or something like that, I'm like, well, here you go. <laughs> Get out of my hair. <laughs> and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't always equal, you know, romance time or anything like no. that. But a lot of times, you know, it'll just be like time alone with my wife. Um, and then the the other thing is that the ten year old will rat your sixteen year old out in a heartbeat. Right. <laughs> that's true. That's the that's the best thing about that, right? Because ten year olds like, Mom, Parker wasn't valuing my life at all. <laughs> yeah. You're like, Parker, yeah. But as you as you know now, like we really don't have a whole lot of discipline. So so what will we do? And <laughs> right. Um, oh, that was funny. But yeah, so okay, so uh, and just so everybody knows, you know, uh, sometimes we will have discussions like that. I think it's important for you guys to know who we are, right? And uh, a little bit of those discussions. And I think that that's interesting. And, uh, you know, most people tell me that they actually prefer that, that every single podcast isn't about, you know, dieting or exercise or whatever. Yeah, but it's nice to know the a little bit the coaches that are are – are behind the scenes that, you know, are doing your reviews or that are helping you. I mean, if I feel this way with a lot of things. If um, you can, if someone gets to know you, then they're going to trust you a little bit more. I've always done this. So those of you that maybe are listening for the first time and don't know this, I'm a, I'm a dental hygienist by trade. I've been a hygienist for 19 years. And believe it or not, I know this is going to shock some of you. I can talk to anybody about anything. There is not a patient that comes into my chair that I can't talk to and get to know them. So I try to get to know them and I'll tell them random stories about me because especially when you're in a professional field like that, I need them to trust me. And if they're more likely to trust me, then they're more likely to do what I say or, or you know, what I recommend or trust that what I'm telling them is true. And so I really, I do it on purpose. I talk a lot to my patients to let them know me and help them develop that relationship so that they trust me. And I think it goes a little bit along the lines with this too. I mean, if you guys can, get to know us a little bit better and feel like you have a connection with us. Maybe some of you can relate now more to having a 16 year old kid that's driving and you're like, Oh my gosh. I think a lot of people don't know people that they know on Instagram or yeah. people on Facebook. And, and what I've always, you know, we've done various meetups. Actually Meredith and I met at one of those meetups mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I remember going to your meetup and someone saying to me, oh, my goodness, it's like meeting a celebrity. And I'm like, oh, you have no idea. <laughs> That's why I want people to know, like, like, I am a regular dude, right? Like, the only thing that made me, you know, Internet famous, right, which isn't actual famous, right. was, was the fact that people could relate to my story. Right. And so I try to, you know, stick to that theme. Right. That, you know, pe that, that's always, I think, humbling to me that that anything that I would say or write or or whatever um, would would resonate with people. Yeah, would resonate with people. And so uh, that's always been been intriguing to me. But I think more than that. You know, I feel like if uh, if people are going to show me that, then I need to give them a gift, right? And that gift is empathy. That gift is, you know, 
taking the money from Eat the Reform and, and putting it into making the product better and, and challenges and things like that. You know, so I think that that is uh, interesting. So the theme today is we're going to really talk about summer. And the idea with summer is not so much, you know, oh, my goodness, summer can really get away from you. It's really kind of looking at it from the opposite <coughs> point of view, right? So the um, eight years ago was really, and, and I'll just give a little summary. And, uh, you know, Meredith has a similar story. Her Hers is actually probably more interesting to you guys because I think for the most part, people kind of know my story. So I'm just going to tell a different version of it. So we'll try to get to Meredith as quick as possible. Um, so in the case of, of me, you know, the I say that like my, you know, fat loss journey was 10 years, but it really kind of came to a head around eight years ago, right? And, uh, you know, 10 years ago was really kind of when it first started. And, uh, you know, I, you know, ended um, kind of a low carb approach, right? And uh, it lost 70 pounds doing that. And within three months, I had gained all of that weight back. Um, just because I didn't have a good understanding of how it all works and, and things of that nature. And when I decided that I was going to, um, to really approach my fitness, you know, obviously I said, well, you know, activity is going to be a big part of it, but also ignorance was no longer going to be a part of it. I was not going to opt for, the easiest thing possible, you know, and that's why people gravitate to low carb, right? Because, you know, steak and salad, steak and salad, you know, and after a week, you're like, <laughs> after a week, you're like, I hate steak, you know, um, and you would think that you would never hate that. But, um, but more importantly was the things that I sort of learned. Um, and what was nice about eating in a more balanced way. And it took me a while to figure that out, right? So it wasn't like immediate. But as long as my activity level was high and I was eating, you know, uh, in a pretty balanced way, I had two things going for me rather than just one. Like in the case of under eating or low carb, you really only have one tool in the toolbox. And once that tool stops, you, once that tool stops working, then you're screwed, right? And so, so having the two ways to do it, right? And very early on, I mean, like, like in the first three to six months, I discovered one of the core components of, of Eat the Form is that if I bite it off in small chunks, that I could get there. But if I bit it off in, I need to lose 20 pounds, I just never got there, right? And so I, I literally two pound myself to a hundred pounds worth of loss. Right. So Which is what we do for people in the, in the app. I mean, if people aren't listening, that's what, that's what we do. I mean, we set your goal at about that two pounds that people aren't, you know, we're not telling you, we're not giving we, you a goal of 20, huh? We did talk a lot about that early on, but until the app, you know, it was really hard to, you know, 
I'd say there was a lot of people that have had success. There's so many people that are still around that had success at that time. But, you know, for most folks, I would say, especially for the, the people that have, you know, joined in the last year to year and a half, it was really about the small details mattered a lot, you oh, know. Yeah. And so like this high minded idea of eating more and doing more and stuff like that, it was great. So a lot of books, right? But but you know, like putting it all together, I would say not everyone figured that out. And I right. would say from a business standpoint, it took us a while to figure out where like when I look at um something that we did with orientation this week and we really talked about under eaters and trying to direct under eaters a little bit better. And so when you have a system in place and you have all these things, like when we do this, this happens. When we do this, this happens. And you see like a failure point, then you you go, okay, well, that just needs a better system, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's sort of what we came up with with the orientation piece this week. But about eight years ago, I was lifting weights and I thought I was doing something, but truthfully, I was scared and I was lifting very light. Um, and not necessarily in like a bodybuilding way where I was doing a bunch of reps, but you know, I was deadlifting 125 pounds, you know, most everything that I was doing was like TRX system and things of that uh, nature. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was still really focused on, um, cardio and, um, when you know, I'm not going to retell the story. I've told it on a million different podcasts. Um, but I went to the CrossFit certification without ever having to do CrossFit. Now, my trainer was giving me CrossFit type workouts, right? But what what was happening as a trainer is if I said I got uncomfortable, um, he would stop. You know, and we would not really go in that direction. So I never really got pushed. And so when I went to the certification, uh, it just looked harder than what I was doing. And I was already convinced that I needed to build muscle. And, and my thought process, I still remember to this day, was, oh, God, it's going to take forever to build muscle, you know. Like, but, but I had already wasted all my gains. I was stuck at like 22% and I could not move. And I was 162 pounds down from 255. Right. right? So, you know, and I was happy with that, that process. I was happy with that journey, but I had to say to myself, you know, and this is the question I think a lot of people do need to ask themselves am I okay with being here? Right. And if you're not okay with being there, right. I'm just going to tell you from personal experience, you're not going to starve yourself to being better. Right. Like you're going to hit a wall at the low end that you feel like you can't get past and no amount of eating broccoli and steaks going to fix it. Right. You're going to have to build muscle. And so if you look at one of the big regrets that I have, I do kind of wish that because like when you look at, you know, I wasn't mm -hmm. 
you know, I've talked about this before. You know, there's, there's, um, I, I was watching the a podcast, you know, that I did, you know, four or five years ago. And I talked about 225 pounds. When I say 225 pounds, I'm estimating that I was 255. I didn't know. I didn't even get the will to weigh myself until I lost 30 pounds, right? So I don't really know what the weight was happening. I just know it was real bad. You know? <laughs> and so that probably took me two to three months just to have the will to weigh myself. Mm -hmm. and, um, but, but after going to the CrossFit certification, I signed up for CrossFit. And in retrospect, you know, I would probably do that piece a little bit different, but I did have a big advantage that um, my trainer was a special forces, right? Just recently, um, he he was a he was a ranger, an army ranger. Your and CrossFit trainer or your trainer before you did CrossFit? He owned the CrossFit. He was the only oh. trainer, right? Okay. Uh, this was this was when there was, was less. Asking, I wanted to be. I wanted to be. No, there was less than a thousand affiliates at this time. Yeah. You know, and so like he would do the seven o'clock class. Um, he'd have a few beers, go to sleep, and then wake up. And when I say a few beers, you go, "Oh my God, this guy, this dude was Adonis." I mean, <laughs> like if as a man and you walked into this place and you go, "I want to look like that." What does it take? You know, it turns out what it takes is a lot of hard work, you know. And um, I just remember, you know, my first uh, my first workout was Murph. Um, they took a picture, wow. you know, and it was sort of a well. So so Murph, if you think about it, for where I was at in my journey at that time, was That's actually perfect. not a bad workout for me, right? Yeah, I was already cardio king. Um, and so, uh, but I was scared of getting hurt and, uh, I had to get over that a little bit and I really started to push it. And I, I mentioned this to Meredith yesterday in our chat. I was like, it was literally like going to the gym every single day with the Rocky theme in your head. You know, <laughs> uh, every day I did something, every day I looked different in the mirror. And at no point was I starving, right? I and I had boundless energy. Um, you know, it, during that summer, you know, uh, and and even even into the next summer, right? Summer is special, and I think it's special here in Minnesota and Kansas City because we get winter. You know, yeah, so you just get like the boundless energy, and if you spend most of your summer dieting, you're kind of missing the point, right? And you know, I was eating, you know, still once again eating, you know, 5,000 calories or more on all days, you know, ended up doing a lot of two days and stuff like that because, you know, I would go to CrossFit, still had a lot of energy. So in the evening I would, you know, there was no eat to perform at this point. I had a few um, really like high dollar clients because at that point I was able to show people that, you know, what was working. But for the most part, you know, I, I wasn't doing very much, you know, uh, I was kind of in between poker and eat to perform and uh, was kind of looking for what the next thing would be, but really was not 
you know, didn't feel pressure as an example to jump into something. And I did do the one thing that everybody says that they would do, right? If I had more time, I would get in shape. And I, I, would, I would say that to myself every single morning. You have more time. Go get in shape, right? And I did it, you know? And, um, but that piece of eating more was the thing that allowed me to not get fatigued, that allowed me to just be smoted up. And, you know, we'll, we'll just end on, on, on this point. I really had not deadlifted, you know, I said 125, but, but it was just never enough weight. It was all warm up weight, right? By December, um, I had lifted 405, right? That's how much I was pushing it. Now, I was lucky to not get hurt, right? I would tell everyone, don't do it as fast as I did. Try and slow it down a little bit. But I did gain 15 pounds of muscle in those six months, right? And and I was also losing weight at the time, right? (laughs) So it was just like this this perfect storm of newbie gains that um, just really pushed me, you know, from (laughs) to nine percent, right? And I never want people to think that, you know, here's this number, do this number. And, you know, doesn't need to be a lot of work involved. It it depends, right? Like if you're okay with having, you know, like, like as an example right now, you know, probably 15 to 16% body fat. I'm okay with that. You Mm -hmm. know, Um, if I, you know, I know the answer to, to, to getting down as low as five if I need to, but, you know, I'm going to be 50 in October, you know? I, I, I want to live life and enjoy life also, right? right. So that, that's a big piece. Um, but I did want to I did want to see the process through. I wanted to get to the 9%. I wanted to have veins below my ass. It's funny, though, because um, you could see, like, you know, four veins in, in some of the pictures from back then. I still have those veins even at a higher thing, right? Body. Like, Yeah. It's just funny because, like, once they came, they just have never left, you know. Um, but then, uh, you know, kind of ending on that note, the, the the two things that I remember was, you know, my kids went back to school. Mm-hmm. And so, so I had to make an adjustment. And the adjustment was that I had to start um, going at 530 in the morning. And that was a big adjustment for me. Um, but I remember making it because I was really committed to my goal. I think it's okay to not be committed to your goal. I think it's okay to not seek, you know, 9%. But that was my goal at that time. And I was going to see it out. Right. I knew at that point there was not, it was not about starving. It was about doing, you know, and I was, you know, I, I kept that Rocky theme in my head all winter long, you know, and once the once the numbers started to come in and in December and January, none of it surprised me. Every single thing that I saw surprised me because at that point I knew I was in charge. I I could I like control it. my own fate. And like that it. that's what I think, you know, I think a little bit of what Meredith is gonna talk about mm-hmm. is similar to that, right? And um but mm-hmm. But the last thing I'm going to say, 
was we went on a hike recently and um, we were hiking this mountain and we went kind of a long way. So it, it took a, a while. I spent the whole summer. So I, I spend whole summers, right? This is why I like the idea of summer. This summer, I'm, I'm squatting, right? Like this is the summer of squats for me. I've taken summers and I took my deadlift from, you know, 405, like three years after that, you know, I kind of stayed at that 405, 435 level. And I took it from 435 to 475. That was a summer, right? I spent the summer three, three summers ago where every Sunday I ran for 20 miles. Um, so I take the summers to, to get back, you know, into that beast mode mindset. Like I control my own fate. I'm the one in charge here. And I think too often, you know, and, and look, I'm not making light of other people's situation, you know, but too often people will say, you know, I have a thyroid condition. I have this and that. I had my ankle torn off of my leg. It is fused onto my leg right now. You know, and I, that does not compare to cancer. That does not compare to a lot of other things that we talk about. But wherever you are, that's where you are. And you have to work from there. And I will tell you that is much more fruitful, you know, taking the reins and going that route and getting really uncomfortable rather than being uncomfortable or trying to be uncomfortable, only able pushing it so far because you're scared, right? And you're scared that you're going to gain two pounds, four pounds. No one gets obese tracking their food. That's not how that works, right? So you got to kind of keep that in mind in that struggle. But, you know, some of the running, the Tough mutters, things of that nature, um, when we were on that hike, my wife was really struggling mentally. And um, I wasn't because I knew that, you can push through that pain, right? right. And, and if you if you haven't done it, you know, um, I say this all the time, runners are the most gangster people on the planet, you know, <laughs> because they still go on. I mean, when you think about like what we were doing climbing a mountain, we could have quit. I mean, we could not quit, right? right. Runners quit. Right. Like think about how gangster that is, right? Still- like you could quit at any point. But, but, um, and they, and they still keep going. So I, I, I have mad respect for that and just being able to kind of go there mentally. But, um, so yeah, I know I, I said I'd be short and of course, every, you know, whenever I say I'm going to be short, everyone should know he's going to be long. Not gonna short. <laughs> right? It's not going to happen. So, okay. So talk to me a little bit, cause I know that there's some parallels to my situation, but then, you know, kind of some deviations a little. Yeah, so we were talking about summers and like what Paul actually said, where's what was the summer that it was just like, all right, things things just got real. Like I got to do this. And you would think it would have been a long time ago, honestly, but for me it was I made a huge shift last summer. And there were a couple things that led up to that. Um like I said, I've I've been a hygienist for 19 years. My husband um has been with his he went through, I actually put him through law school and, um, you know, he went through law school. He's been, you know, been out of law school for 10 years and 
you know, you work to pay off student loans and you work, I, I felt like we just, we had these end goals and you just kind of go through the motions and get to these end goals and whatever it takes to get there. And that kind of was like the aspect of my entire life. Like, I'm just the next thing. I'm getting to the next thing. I'm getting to the next thing. I'm getting to this spot. And, and then you get there a little bit. And it was almost like, a, well, now what? And for me, it started actually in January of last year. Um, some of you know this. Some of you don't. But I spent four days in the hospital with rhabdo. And um, part of that was a cholesterol medication I was on. Part of it was I had been sick, and a lot of it was I wasn't taking care of myself. <laughs> I was not getting enough sleep. I was working too hard. I was not recovering. I was pushing my body to a limit that it didn't need to be pushed to, and I kind of paid that price and spent some time in the hospital. So after that, coming out of the hospital, I tried to – change my thought process on recovery and sleep and taking better care of myself. But what it came down to for me was I didn't have anything that I was really passionate about in that anything that like drove me. I would everything that had driven me had kind of come to fruition, if you will. Um, you know, my kids were getting older, they didn't need me as much. Um, like in the day-to-day -day stuff, you know, people with toddlers, you know, that's kind of their life and everything, those little kids. But when they get a little bit older, they don't need you as much. And so I just, I didn't really have anything that I was just passionate about. And um, I, that's what changed for me last summer. So I decided to get my CrossFit certification, my level one, and that started it a little bit. And I found a love and a calling in coaching. And then in that same sense, I, as, I, as I started coaching people and seeing the, you know, the difference in the effect that I could have on them, it helped me honestly get more comfortable with myself. And I finally got to the point where I was comfortable in my own skin. Like, it's taken me a long time to do that, but I'm happy with me. If I'm at 22% or 17% body fat, if we're talking body fat, if I'm whatever, I'm comfortable with where I'm at. I have different goals and stuff where I might want to be, but... This is something funny. I finally got to the point where last summer is the first summer I've ever worn a bikini in public. I just, yeah. I know it sounds it's, silly, but I probably, there have probably been times in my life where I was, well, there have been times in my life where I was skinnier or thinner and may have, I, I don't know if I looked better than or not, but I wouldn't wear a bikini in public. I, I just, it wasn't something I did. Go ahead. You're going to ask me a question. So my wife, for many years, um, would not wear shorts. I never thought twice about it, right? You mm -hmm. know, um, and uh, she started wearing shorts, you know, mm -hmm. I think two years ago. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she credits Eat to Perform and like the women of Eat to Perform that, that you know, uh, it, it just, it was just like, screw it. I'm going to be cool with who I am. And, yeah and uh yeah and that's, and that's what's, what's so interesting about your your thing yeah. is i think that uh i mean you're most people's goals right you know i never thought that this is a funny thing you say that so recently it's been a couple it, within the last few months we have these um 
when we have new clients come into the gym, they'll do some personal training sessions, and then we have like progress meetings, and I get to do a lot of those progress meetings with these with these new clients, and I've had three people tell me that they want to look like me, and these are some people, someone, a couple of them maybe had a little bit of weight that they wanted to lose, and one was actually pretty thin, but she wanted my muscle, and it it still surprises me. Does that make sense? I, I'm still like, really? You want to look like me? And it, I don't know, but I'm... I'm finally comfortable in my in my skin, so wearing a bikini was a big deal, and I just didn't care. And then the same thing with going along those lines. I finally wear booty shorts when it comes to CrossFit. Like you'll see me in my in my short shorts, and I never would do that before. I always had longer shorts on or capris. Um, but for me, I just I got comfortable in my skin, and it didn't it didn't matter anymore. And I was comfortable in that. Those, not that I felt like I had to wear those, but honestly, those booty shorts are comfortable to work out. <laughs> so, yeah, the um, the uh, <laughs> my wife, my wife's not quite the the booty shorts person, though. Uh, right. Though I've I've encouraged that privately. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but, uh, you're a man. But, but it hasn't happened. Um, yeah. But so you said something that I think was interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, was you got to a point, and, and if I asked the question this way, was it worth it? Was what worth it? So you, you mentioned putting your husband through law school, yeah, yeah. getting to that point in your life where everything that everybody aspires to, you got there, and then yeah. did, was it worth it, right? Absolutely, it was worth it, but I think a little bit I lost myself along the way, and I don't want to say that. I don't want to sound bad. I don't want that to sound selfish. I don't want that to sound. I have always been a people pleaser. I've always been a person who likes to. Um, I try to be everything for everybody. I've always been like that. Um, even Paul, a little bit when I started with Eat to Perform, you know, I started as an intern, you know, just do it, and I I did everything I could to make myself valuable to you, not because I thought that someday I'd be doing podcasts with you and, you know, be more of a, more of a main employee, but because that's how I am. When I do something for somebody, I want, I give everything. Like I try to be everything for everybody. And I, I really put in a lot of time and effort in those early days that I started with you to perform because that's just my personality. And I mean, just to, just to stop you for just a yeah. second. Um, it's kind of everybody's like, yeah. Oh, all of your, I mean, you can admit this with the coaches I mean, it's just a never-ending stream of people that care about this, yeah, right? Yeah, you seem to attract those people. And I'm, I'm not saying I was abnormal because like, I felt like everybody did the same thing. Everybody was working. And even now, sorry, I'm deviating a tiny bit, but I'll tell you this. I have this conversation all the time with our customer service team and with my husband. We have a customer service team where – we're arguing over who's taking what weekend because you already worked so much this week. Let me have this weekend because you did this. Or here, let me jump on and help you even though it's not my weekend to be on. Like we, it's very an unusual thing. Everybody wants to help and be involved to make everybody else's life a little bit easier. And gosh, I feel like if we could like bottle that up and give that to every other team out there. <laughs> well, I think, I, think it, I think it's hard. And I mm -hmm. think the other thing too, is that what you're talking about is love, right? And long-term love compared mm -hmm. to like lusty love, right? I and we, we've had lusty love relationships oh, with coaches. 
right? They they have a lot of success with Eat to Perform. We bring them on, and then they're like, "Whoa, this is a lot of work," you know. And then <laughs> yeah. the lusty love goes away. And I think you know a little bit of what you're talking about with your kind of your personal situation also transcends to that a little bit, right? Like if mm-hmm. you're you know, both Meredith and I have this in common. I met my wife when I was 19. She also was married very early, you know, and what you figure out as you go longer in the relationship is that, that you know, you have to generate those moments of lusty love, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, there's something better and it's like next level. Um, and the next level is sort of what you talked about with, with, you know, the way that a lot of people treat, eat to perform. I mean, like, you right. know, people are so giving, you know, I'm, I hope a little bit based on, you know, my lead, right? Absolutely. You attract and, those. Yeah. Yeah. And I think but, the other thing, the other thing too, and I'll, I'll mm-hmm. quit talking over you, but <laughs> um, I surround myself you know, I've said this before, and I, I hope this isn't demeaning because I, I certainly don't mean it that way. So, um, but I like to surround myself with the gals on the gym that all the boys couldn't catch. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we, were, we were at camp. I think I've, I've told this before. And I, I do the monkey bars and I do five or six. And I was like, okay, that was cool. And then Meredith comes in right behind me. She got to do all of them. Right. And it was like 40. You know, um, but that somewhere. Yeah, but that is that is um, we're lucky to attract people like you. I agree. And but where I was where I was going to that to to backtrack, I said I was going to deviate just a little bit, but it was worth it where we're at now in our life, where our kids are, everything else. It was worth it. But like I said, I kind of lost myself and. Last summer was a big turning point for me because now I have found something. I've got some goals. I found some things that I'm passionate about. I um, did my level one, um, and then this um, in January I actually did my level two, and I am working toward eventually getting my level three. Um, I had a conversation with one of the trainers um, that did my level two about eventually being seminar staff for CrossFit. He thinks I have a lot of potential to do that, which – I think would be a lot of fun. So I just, I have some of these goals. Um, now something that I'm really passionate about, and honestly it's the coaching and the people that I get to work with, with each perform and with um, CrossFit coaching, I'm just passionate about it and I, I love it. And I found a piece of me that is separate from my family and my kids, which like I said, I love, but it was last summer where all of that came in. I got comfortable in my skin. I got comfortable being who I was and found something that that I'm passionate about again. Does that make sense? So for me, it was just yeah. So so yeah. There, I remember I remember it from Oprah, um, yeah. which is ironic, but um, there was a big movement about loving you first, mm-hmm. right? And um, the one of the things that they talked about was loving you first, mm-hmm. right? And then, you know, that the couple comes before the kids, right? And the the idea being that there is no greater gift to children than two parents that love each other to death, right? right? 
And um, th so that's always been kind of a, and then, and then you have to work at it, right? Yeah. Like all the time. Because, because it's, I mean, we've been married almost 18 years. We're talking about marriage. We've been married almost 18 years and we've had a couple of really rough years. And the, that's exactly what happened is we didn't put each other first. You know, we got work and school and kids and everything else got, got in the way. But yeah, exactly. You have to work at it. But it's like any relationship, honestly, if you want a relationship to be successful, whether it's a friendship or a work relationship or it, but it, it takes, it takes work. Um, I thought of something, I'm going to backtrack just a tiny bit. You said something earlier where you said something about details, that those details are a big deal. And one of the things you talk about, um, you know, finding that self-love and for me, finding something, you know, being comfortable with my with myself and everything. But I had to start taking care of myself a little bit, which for me was recovery and rest and sleep. And as I say this, my husband's going to laugh because I still don't get enough sleep. But I try to prioritize that more than going and doing this for somebody else or going and getting, you know, taking care of this for somebody else, trying to prioritize my own sleep and my own recovery. And part of that was I was injured last summer. Some of you also know this. I tore my calf muscle. Um, after a competition. It wasn't because of the competition. It was like a couple days after, but I was feeling so good in this competition and things are finally coming together and I'm finally getting all this stuff. And then I was jogging to the bathroom in the gym and tore my calf muscle, um, a third grade tear or grade three tear and ended up in a boot for a month. And you spend some time reflecting when you're injured. I mean, you talked about your ankle, but you spend some time reflecting on how you got injured and what you're going to do with it, and then your mindset about it. And my mindset was I wasn't going to let me let it hold me back. I'm going to push other elements that I can push because I can't. You know, I pushed the upper body work. I pushed all this, and I just used that, again, in summertime. I think that there's two sides to that because, you know. Um, but I also tried to make myself recover more, too. Sorry, finish yes. that sentence. There's two sides to what you're saying because, you know, once again, you know, I was in a motorcycle accident, ankle ripped off my leg, um, and I had already started my fitness journey. Mm -hmm. and, um, I had a decision, you know, do I keep it going or do I not? You know, right. and um, I chose to to do to keep it going. But there's two sides to the injury thing. One, I didn't really know that you could work around injury. Right. Like doctors right. always tell you to take it easy. So I was like, okay, take it easy. And I remember, yeah, like, Go. <laughs> yeah, when, when I was, um, you know, recovering from the ankle injury, I remember that was one of the best years for the twins. And I remember it cause I watched every twins game, you know? And so I spent, <laughs> I spent three and a half hours, you know, really focused on this type of stuff. And I, 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 I view it now as an opportunity lost, I could have been doing pull-ups and push-ups and a lot right. of things didn't affect my ankle. Um, but then there's the other side, right, of the people that push it too far. And let's be real, one yeah. of the reasons why a lot of people push it too far is because they feel like if they don't, that they're, you know, going to get fat or that, you know. Um, I agree. That's yeah, a big, they're going yeah, to lose their fitness level. And I that, I'm lose everything I get, gained, and I'm going to gain back all the weight I lost. Yeah, and and that's not reality. I mean, like, as an example right now, 
you know, um, you know, I've been really working on bodybuilding the good majority of the time. Mm-hmm. And the na- the nice thing is in a little bit of, you know, the punctuation to what we're talking about here is that if I decided to lose five to 10 pounds, mm-hmm. eating 4,500 4, to 4,500 calories, you can do that easily, right? Right, the work, yeah. But most people just don't have that bank account, right? That they can make a withdrawal from. And, you know, I ended up getting a, a, a new T-shirt yesterday. And, you know, it fit a little tighter than normal, right? <laughs> now, in, in some ways, good, right? My lats, yeah. my, bigger, my chest is bigger, this and that. Um, but then at the same time, you know, it did it did make me start to think, well, you know, is it time? And uh, I'd say five seconds later, I was like, it's not time. It's not time. You have not beast moded this summer up yet. All right. right. Yeah. What I and we, we can end on this note. Um, I, I mean, for me yeah. and then your part, but, uh, I make those decisions in September. Right. Because I know I can give maximum effort during the summer, mm-hmm. right? And so that's really my focus. And so if there's any wish that I have for each of you out there, it's don't spend the summer overly restrictive, worried about whether or not your macros, fat loss three or four times, you know, things of this nature. Really take the reins of your journey and go farther than you've gone before with food, right? Yeah. There's a lot of people that have pushed marathons, ultra marathons, all this other this type of stuff without food, right. right? So imagine how good you could be with food, right? And I'm not saying Jerry Queen it up every single night. You can be <laughs> smart about it. You can do most of these foods, right? But you have to, you have to kind of push that. Yeah, but and also, yeah, take this summer, use that food and do some great things. Like, Find something, um, hiking or, you know, find something to beast mode it up. Maybe it's the year that you get 405 on your deadlift or maybe it's the year that you, you know, do some crazy hike with your family or just or just hike more. We're actually taking the kids. Um, I'm, I'm in Kansas City, for those of you that know, but I my my I'm from Colorado, um, the western slope of Colorado. And um, we are going out. My dad's retiring this summer, and so we're having a retirement party for him. And we're going to take an extra week, and we're going to go to southern Utah to some of the um, – we're going to go to Arches National Monument and Zions and Bryce Canyon, which I got to do growing up, but my family has never done. And we're going to go to the Grand Canyon too. And so we're going to do all this hiking. So my family, we are walking every day. We're doing all these things to get ready um, to go hiking. And I'm, I'm just so excited because – but I'm not going to be able to spend four days, five days hiking if I'm starving myself. That's where I'm going I'm going with that. You know, if I'm not going to be able to do all the things I want to do if I'm starving myself. And so I guess my wish, you said your wish, my wish is that people just, same thing, but get comfortable with who you are and take care of yourself a little bit. Um, if you're if you're a wife or a mother or a husband or, a, you know, an aunt, uncle, a child that's got to take care of, you know, parents, I mean, we all have people who depend on us and sometimes I think we get caught up in that and we don't, that's when even the reviews that I've been doing, I'm seeing, you know, this, I've got to take care of this or this, or this happened, or I'm in the hospital with this. And I understand we all have things like that that we have to do, but if we can just take a couple, you know, a little bit of time for ourselves to, to do those things, 
and to be smote it up. Yes. And give yourself grace. Yeah. That's uh that's I think you Don't know when you're going up when you're going through tough times, when you're you're having moments, deaths in the family, you're sick, yeah. things give yourself grace it's you're not there's the you know honestly i mean there's no i hate saying the f word but it's a fear of getting fat right there's this irrational fear of getting fat and the reason why you have this irrational fear of getting fat is because you have this death grip on the scale and you've never tried life with food right you tried life with food um life is good with food <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, so if you uh, if you've never been to Southern Utah and Moab and Arches and and, uh -huh. and those types of places, right? Well, you you yeah. just said, yeah. Um, but if you have it and you're listening to it, it's one of the most beautiful places on the planet. Yeah, right? you, you Bryce Canyon. Yeah, Bryce Canyon is um, one of my favorite places on the earth. I was in a rock climbing club in college. And um, we used to rock climb out there because oh. I went to the Western Slope. So, yeah, it was fun. That that is. Was but, you know, right. I, everybody just, you know, take that that moment, that grace, like you said, give yourself a little bit of a leeway. If you have a death in the family and you eat horrible and you don't get to the gym for a week, it's okay. Like we see that all the time. And in our reviews, we had, I just this morning did one. I, had a death in my family. My food has been horrible. I'm sorry. I'll try to get back to it. I'm. You don't need to apologize to us. Right. <laughs> and there's no timeline. See, it's this timeline that's messing everybody up, right? The timeline is when you are in the ground, right? That's the timeline, right? Yeah. So between now and then, we can figure it out, right? <laughs> but, but enjoy life. You know, spend the summer and just think of what great thing that can I achieve right over the next three months I think that that would be an awesome challenge for each for of you. all right so we will end on that note Meredith you have a great weekend and uh, well. happy, happy happy Mother's Day and happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there so yes happy all those pseudo moms because sometimes you're not a mom but you you have a mom role even you know so I, I, I definitely played the mom role for a long time, and you know, the, the whole Mr. Mom thing is is no longer PC to say. Um, no. So, so I played the mom role, uh, yeah. <laughs> or the caring dad role. So. Right. All right, you guys. Appreciate everybody being here. And next week is building blocks. It's going to be an exciting one. So look out for that. Talk to you later. Bye.